You're listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa, and today I'll be speaking with author Eliza Knight about her new book, Starring Adele Astaire. Eliza is an award-winning author and has written several best-selling books, including The Mayfair Bookshop and Prisoner of the Queen. She's also a member of the Historical Novel Society and Novelists, and she has a blog titled History Undressed. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, before we turn to your new book, can I ask you a little bit about your blog, History Undressed? Tell me a little bit about what it is that you try to cover in that. Sure. Um, we try to cover pretty much any aspect of history, but I started it in 2009 when I was doing some research for a book and was having a lot of trouble finding the information online. And I was able to find the information in several books that I got out from the library um, and then composed a couple of articles. So it just sort of took off from there, putting information out there that is a little bit harder to find. Well, this is actual history, right, as opposed to, say, like a historical novel with some fiction in it. Correct, yes. The blog is definitely just history. Um, I've had people from museums contact me, students writing papers, uh-huh. things like that. Okay. All right, so i got to ask you a tough question. What do you think is the status of history knowledge in the country right now? Um, I don't think that generally the majority of people are really interested in studying history, but I think that when they hear certain stories that are intriguing, that most people do sort of tune in to see what you're talking about or uh-huh. or read about it. Um, but it has to come with some sort of engaging hook, I think. Ah, that's a good point. All right, so let's let's talk about writing for a second. So when I interview writers, they'll tell me whether they're either an outliner or what they say, a fly by the seat of your pants. When you were working on Adele, uh, Astaire, starring Adele Astaire book, or really your other books, what are you? Are, do you outline before you start writing? Do you start with a character idea? What do you do? Oftentimes I'll start with more like a what-if question okay. or a, oh, I wonder about this sort of question, which is exactly what happened with Adele Astaire. I, I hadn't heard that Fred Astaire had a sister, so I thought, well, who is this person? I want to find out who she is. Um, and normally I start with just a couple of days of research to kind of ground me in um, a person's life or a particular um, time in history. And then from there, I think about what the characters might be and I write an outline. So before I ever start writing any chapters, I have a pretty good idea of what the book is going to be. I write a, an extensive outline, oftentimes my outlines sometimes have dialogue in them, uh-huh. um, just little lines that come to me while I'm researching. So I have a pretty good roadmap when I start. Okay. Well, in starring Adele Astaire, your new book, I, I assume you consider this to be a historical novel, right? Yes. Okay. Well, Technically, I think they call it historical biographical, but oh, wow. it is a okay. historical novel. There's fiction, you know, one of the characters is completely fictionalized. Right, right. And I'm going to ask you about her in a bit. For folks, sure. uh, for folks who may not be familiar with Adele or her brother Fred Astaire, in other words, folks not as old as me, tell us a little <laughs> bit about them so that they understand who these folks were uh, and what their role was in, in American culture. Sure. So uh, most people that know who Fred Astaire is now think of him as this Hollywood icon, one of the best dancers that ever lived, um, a comedian, a movie star. And um, the thing is that they also uh, correlate him with Ginger Rogers as a dance partner. Yeah. But 
His original dance partner was actually his sister, Adele Astaire, and they started dancing together as children. And they um, moved to New York City with their mother, with their father remaining in uh, Nebraska to help support uh, their move and their training. They went to a performing arts school in New York City as children. And then they joined the vaudeville circuit, which is really fascinating <laughs> that these kids are going across the country and doing these little um, performances, which is really interesting. And by the 20s, the early 20s, 1920s, they had um, finally made it to Broadway and became stars, and in 1923 made their uh, debut in uh, London as dance stars. And they um, they were extremely popular amongst the crowds, but the funny thing is that everyone thought Adele was the better dancer, and there would be reviews in the papers that would say, you know, Adele dances like a lilac flame, but her brother, he's okay. You know, we'll, we'll still watch him dance. And the funny thing about that is that he became this huge dancing star for decades afterwards, um, starring in movies and things like that. And whereas she decided that she wanted to step back from the limelight in her mid thirties and start a family. So she sort of faded from history, which is yeah. where we are today yeah. where most people don't know who she is. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, that was my next question. How did you learn of her and what is it about Adele that attracted you to her and it made you say, you know what, I want to do some more research, maybe write a book about her. Sure. So I was actually doing research on my book, The Mayfair Bookshop, which is about Nancy Mitford, who was a famous novelist in London in the 40s, 50s, 60s. And I was reading letters that she had written to um, some of her sisters and friends. And in one of those letters, she talks about how she had had lunch with this woman named Deli, and that Deli was hysterical and she just adored her. And at that point, I thought I had known all of her friends. So I was curious, okay, well, who is this person? I love funny people. Let me look into her. And I found out that she was actually Adele Astaire. And I thought, okay, well, what is Adele Astaire, an American dancer, doing in London, having lunch with an aristocrat? That's uh -huh, right. interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So I started to dig into her, and I found out, you know, that she's this huge star. She was funny. She was charming. She actually dated a prince. Um, and she was just a very lively person that people seemed really drawn to. And I'm drawn to people like that, too. So I, I just knew I had to get to know her. Okay. All right. Well, in the book, you cover a time period. And I really like the fact that I can kind of follow the chronology in the book by how you handle the chapters. And the chronology runs from about 1923 to 1954, if my memory's right. How did you go about selecting, you know, specific incidents or specific time periods to cover in your chapters? That's always such a hard thing because um, the people I write about have such rich lives yeah. and so much is happening, not only with themselves, but also during that time period in the world, right? Right. So normally I look at the character and I think, well, what's the story I want to tell and how am I going to form that story? And what parts of their life are going to be little um, notches in an arc that are going to be significant or life-changing? And that's usually how I pick the various things I'm going to talk about in the book. Just because it, even though I'm talking about real people and sharing real things in history, um, I really want it to also be a novel that is engaging for readers and exciting. And if I were to write you know, everything that happened, it would be, first of all, probably like 18 books. But on top of that, not everything would be super interesting. I got you. 
All right, so I don't know exactly how many movies Fred Astaire was in. I did some quick research and saw that he had won Emmys and Golden Globe Awards and was in like 30 or 31 musical films and a bunch of Broadway mm-hmm. plays. How many of those was Adele in, do you recall? So they did a lot of plays together. They weren't in any movies together. Okay. Unfortunately, there's no filming of them together except for uh, someone happened to get about 30 seconds of a um, – play that they were practicing someone's off stage basically got a little clip of them and you can barely see her in it anyway but other than that there's no film of her dancing whatsoever which is actually quite tragic yeah and together they did a number of performances together because they started dancing when he was i believe five and she was eight and then all the way through to the mid-30s so we're talking decades of performing together um and sometimes uh, upwards of 500 performances a year. So a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I didn't realize that there was no film of her dancing. How did how did that uh, affect your writing about her? Well, I was very disappointed, for one thing. Sure. I had really hoped that I would get to see them together because, you know, in the pictures that I see of them posing, when they're looking at each other, you can see the affection and the fluidity of the way that they're standing. But you don't get to actually see the fluid movement. Um, so it was difficult. Um, I went off of reviews. I, I read a lot of newspaper articles and reviews of their performances. Right. I read um, Fred's memoir, which he talks about her in, and then letters and stuff between them as well, as um, I was able to go to Boston University has um, an archive center there that holds the Adela Stair collection. Oh. So I was able to read her diary and read uh, things that she had kept in a scrapbook. Um, and that was, you know, really helpful in helping me set the stage and kind of get in, under her skin and, and lay it all out there on the page. Um, but it was very disappointing not to find anything actual visual to watch. Well, it, look, it works well in the book and the chemistry kind of comes, Thank a, you. It com- the chemistry kind of comes across, but that, that is surprising to me. I would, I, I almost make a joke here that so many things get put up on YouTube. I'm surprised somebody hadn't <laughs> stepped forward right? with a film from 70 years ago. Um, all right. I'm hoping that in the future, at some point, someone finds a reel or something in their yeah. attic that yeah, yeah. they can yeah. look at. All right. So it, it may be hard for younger folks today to understand this, but Adele was something of a trailblazer, even though she didn't continue to dance with Fred for his whole career. Am I, am I correct on that? I think so. Yeah. And in what ways do you think she was maybe unique for her time? I think she was unique for her time in many ways, uh, one of which is she was, you know, a pretty a, a forthright and independent person. She went after what she wanted and, you know, encouraged other dancers to do the same. And she wasn't afraid to be herself, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women, um, especially in her era are often afraid to show themselves to the public, but she Mm -hmm. had no problem, um, joking around, no problem saying how she felt, um, and sort of teasing the crowd. And I think that that made her stand out. Okay. And it's interesting then. So she, she is with Fred for about 27 years, again, if my memory's right. And then she decides to step away uh, and marry Lord Cavendish. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, d- did you find anything in your research about the decision-making process that she went through in making the decision to step away from, uh, from you know, all this fame and glory, if you will, just to raise a family? 
Yeah, I think that there was a number of reasons. One, she was sore, um, always aching, you know, after three decades of dance, um, her body was just sort of fighting against her for doing that. Um, A lot of hip issues, uh, knee issues. And I think she was tired. On top of that, she had always loved performing, but not necessarily the act of practicing to perform. She was more of a natural um, on stage versus her brother who would practice for hours and hours and hours. And I think she was just exhausted. On top of that, she was in her mid-30s, and she really did want to have a family, and she thought if she didn't stop right then and start to have one, she never would. And did she end up, um, after she got married, did, did they end up having a family? Unfortunately, she did get pregnant um, twice. Um, the first, Her first daughter um, died shortly after birth, hmm. and then she had twin boys who um, sadly were born Still, uh, stillborn. Oh, good. So um, that was a pretty tragic sure. thing that happened yeah. to her. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of health issues with her husband at the time as well. Yeah. So I think she's, you know, the dream that she wanted of having a family um, sort of depleted. Yeah. But in the end, she did meet a man uh, years later that she was married um, to for a long time, and he had children. So she did, in the end, you know, kind of get what she wanted. Now, she did. She died, I think, in 1981. Did she ever mm-hmm. get back into film or dance <clears throat> on any level um, after she kind of walked away from Fred? Yeah, so um, after the tragic loss of her children, she thought about going back to film, and her brother said, why don't you come try out for a movie in Hollywood? And she did, and she was offered the part. But there, according to her diary, there was some taxation issues, so whatever amount of money they were um, offering her, she was going to have to pay the U.S. taxes and the U.K. taxes, um, which depleted her income quite a bit. And on top of that, the traveling back and forth between the UK and the US seemed like a lot, especially with her husband's health issues. So she wasn't sure she could actually commit to it. Um, so she declined the part. And then still wanting to act, she did take another part, this time in the UK uh, with Pinewood Movie Studios. Um, and she did film about half of that movie. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but she did uh, end up, she quit that movie. So she, that movie was never filmed or put out with her because um, midway through her husband's health uh, took a turn for the worse and she just couldn't remain uh, in England um, to film. She went back to Ireland to be with him. Okay. In the book, you have actual historical characters like we've talked about with Fred and Adele, but you also have a fictional mm-hmm. character uh, like Violet. As a writer, Talk to me about the role of fictional characters in illuminating the history or the or the historical characters. Yes, I love to use uh, fictional characters sort of as a medium to um, get more intel on the historical figures because oftentimes you don't get to see the real side of them. Right. And then when I create a fictional character, uh, especially like a friend, then you get to sit down with the historical figure and kind of dig a little bit more into their brain and and into their emotions and see who they are as a real person from someone else's eyes. Um, And that is one thing that I did with uh, Violet. The other thing with Violet is that um, I really wanted to showcase what it was like for a number of dancers 
on the stage during that time period who may not have necessarily had someone like Freddie there to protect them from some of the seedier sides of show business. So we get to see that from Violet's point of view. Okay. And the other thing with Mm -hmm. Violet is that she sort of mirrors Adele's earlier years in that, you know, Adele and Fred did not come from much born in, in Nebraska. They, their parents were not well off um, and they really had to work very hard for their success. So, but when we start the book, it's 1923 and they're already successful. So, I really wanted to kind of also show what it was like for a dancer struggling to get to that point. Um, And in that uh, way, Adele sort of sees herself mirrored in Violet in a number of ways. Yeah. Well, you've touched on this just a little bit, but I was going to ask, when you create a fictional character like Violet, and let's talk about her specifically, what did you draw upon to create her character? You've given us a little bit of that. But uh, is she a composite of different people or is she somebody that, uh, you know, you know that uh, you're drawing upon? (laughs) So um, I got some inspiration on some historical dancers um, in England. In fact, uh, there was a dancer named Daisy Violet Wood who um, Ah. was one of, I think, five or six siblings. And they were famous dancers, but they were born in the same um, area of the East End that uh, Violet's from. And in my actual original draft, I had Violet come from a large family. Um, There were just too many characters, though, so unfortunately we had to cut that down to just one sibling. But um, I mirrored a lot of her experience um, in Violet to just get, like, a a better idea of what it was like for a dancer at that time period. And then some others that I did some research on. Um, So, yeah, she's kind of got the flavor of a lot of different dancers from that time period and, and from the same area where she's from. Okay. Well, when you're writing a historical novel like starring Adele Astaire or any of your other historical novels, it seems to me there's always a question of how much actual history to put in the book. Do you have any advice to writers uh, on that? And how did you do it with starring Adele Astaire? (laughs) That is a really hard question, isn't it? Um, Yeah. So I I think it goes along the lines of uh, the same thing with the character when I'm working with a real historical figure is picking out those things that are really going to matter to the character and might change their life. Um, For example, if we've got a war going on, obviously everything um, in the surrounding parts of their life are going to be affected. The food's going to be affected, the clothing, the atmosphere, a sense of danger. Um, But, you know, when you've got the 1920s, so there's not necessarily war going on, but there was. And so there's a rise in partying. So I made sure to add in a lot of that party atmosphere, the jazz life, um, things like that. I really think that history can become a character itself in a book. Right. So adding in all those little flavors and nuances that make it interesting. But there is some thing is called info dumping yeah. or historical research dumping. Um, a lot of us joke around about how, well, I did this research on this one thing for three days, and so it's got to go in the book. And it's sort of like we're patting ourselves on the back for the research that we did. But a reader may not necessarily find that to be super interesting. Um, a perfect example is I was doing some copy edits um, last week on a book I have coming out next year about Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe. Uh-huh. And in the book, I had talked about um, teardrops falling to the floor in a hospital. And I was like, well, I need to know exactly what this floor was made of. So I started doing research on um what the floor might have been made of in a hospital in the 1950s. And after an hour, I thought, 
why am, why am I doing this? No one is going to care what yeah. kind of floor this is. So now it's a polished floor, and that's all it is. Yeah, I guess. But, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, sometimes we get a little too bogged down in the details, and it's those sorts of things we have to let go of. Well, you know, it's fascinating to me because obviously you care about history. And so I'm guessing yes. there would be an impetus on occasion to say, boy, this is probably something people don't know. And I'd really yes. like to figure out how to get. So if you have that, do is it the smart thing is to tie it in some way to the character as opposed to just being a, com- a complete digression, you know, an extra paragraph or whatever? Because that's what I'm hearing you say Ab- a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely want to make sure that it's relevant. Okay. Um, and that you can somehow weave it into their the sentence or a dialogue or something like that, rather than just having like a paragraph about, you know, what a floor is made of in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now fiction, you, fiction writers will often tell me that a particular character actually helped them write the book. Now you're, you've got fiction character like Violet, but you also have historical characters. Do you have anything similar that happens with you when you're writing historical fictions? And let's talk specifically about starring Adele Astaire. Is there a character or a, an actual historical figure that helped write the book? I think Adele herself. Um, before I had even read her diary, I could sort of hear things that, you know, hear her talking in my head. And I know that sounds a little bit wacky, but I think a lot of the times that happens when we're working with historical figures, they kind of, you know, give us a little nudge. Um, and I don't know if that just comes from, you know, all the research you're doing, so you kind of, and you're developing their character and she probably sounds completely different, uh, you know, sounded completely different in real life than the way I heard her in my head. But for me, it was definitely her. And then getting to actually read her diary and, and see the, the thoughts and and the emotions and the hopes and the tragedies like that um, really, really helped me connect with her even more. And I think that helped to give a more authentic feel to her story. So when you read Starring Adela Sayre, you know that a lot of the thoughts and emotions in the book, well, obviously fictionalized and I've rewritten everything. Um, a lot of it comes from her actual feelings and thoughts and ideas. Yeah. Well, you actually, I've heard this from many authors. When you're writing a book, you live with that character or characters for a while, right? Yeah. Okay. And, yes. and I've always thought this was actually one of the funnier ones. I had an author one time say, and I wonder if you've had this experience, about a character, in his case it happened to be a fictional character, who would actually say, he said in my head, they'll say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Don't write that paragraph. Um, yes. <laughs> so uh, you've had that. I would never say that. That's right. It sounds <laughs> that a little bit. Me. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds a little bit psychotic, but, um, it, but I, I, you get the understanding of it, that they, you suddenly realize that you're putting the character in a way that, that, that's not consistent, right? That's basically it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And right. even to go a little bit further, you might be like out in the world and you're like, oh, Adele would really love this. I, bet she, <laughs> I wonder how she would feel about this. <laughs> and then you have to catch yourself. Like I knew her as a friend. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So in, in, in doing the research and in writing the book, I always like to ask this question. And I'm curious about it with historical novels. I've done it with fiction writers often. So you're taking a character and you're placing it in a, them in a certain cir- circumstance and they're having to deal with whatever in Adele's case, with Mm -hmm. actual things that happen. And you're crafting dialogue, et cetera, to go through that. Do you learn anything Mm -hmm. about yourself in that process? I think 
so. I mean, every book, every scene, every character has a little piece of the author in it, whether they want it to or not. Because, you know, we base things not just on research, but personal experience, or at least yeah. we sit there and think about, well, what would I do in this situation or how would I feel? And then, you know, obviously then you pull in the character and be like, well, what would they think? What would they feel? Or do I know someone that's been through this and how did they feel and, and how can I tie that into this particular experience? Because obviously I never lived through World War II. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know how that feels. I, I wasn't a dancer on stage. I don't know how that feels. But uh, in talking to people who um, were dancers, I, my daughter was a competitive dancer, so I got to ask her a lot of questions. And one of my um, writing critique partners was a dancer. So, you know, I get to sort of... Um, glean information from other people. So it, it, it does tend to be a little bit more realistic, I think. And you learn a little bit about yourself in that process? I think so. Yeah. Um, either, either things that I, I might be willing to do or might not. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Okay. All right. So I always ask this question towards the end of the interview. You know, some writers will tell me that they write to make a social or a political point. And some will say that they write solely for themselves and hope that somebody likes it. And a few will say they do it for the money. Why do, <laughs> why do you write? I write because it's just something that's always been with me. I've, I've, you know, as soon as I could pick up a crayon when I was little, I was making little books and, and drawing. Uh -huh. I couldn't necessarily form words at that point, but I would draw pictures that I thought looked like castles and princesses or or whatever so i think for me it's just a natural state of being as a storyteller i love to share stories even when i'm not writing i'm telling a story about something i heard or you know when my kids were growing up i would tell them bedtime stories and it was a lot of times stuff that i had made up um i think it's just something i can't do i would do it even if i wasn't being paid um money uh -huh. is nice but I, um, it's just a part of who I am, Yeah, yeah. I think. And obviously I love to be able to share those stories yeah. with the world. I want people to read them. Um, I wouldn't say I like to necessarily put out a political message. I'm not a very political person, but every one of my stories has some sort of theme. And, um, especially with starring Adela Stare, the, the main theme in there is, you know, daring to dream and yeah. going after those dreams. Well, it works really well. I think you're right about themes. You. Universal themes are the things, I think, that pull people in, you know, things they can identify with. And certainly there's a lot of that in uh, starring Adele Astaire. Let me, let, me, yeah. let me end with this, since you mentioned politics. Um, we do live in a bit polarizing times, and I hear this from authors periodically, and I'm curious in your case, is, are there any mm -hmm. topics that you stay away from because you are concerned about the negative reviews or the harassing emails or whatever it might be? <laughs> well, fortunately, I don't write uh, modern-day books, so I don't really have right. to worry about that too much. <laughs> um, but I, I think that for me as a writer, I don't know if there's necessarily a topic that I would steer clear of because I would be afraid of emails. I think that, you know, um, if I'm stirring up conversation, that I'm stirring up conversation, right? Right. Um, and fortunately for me right now, most of it's about history. So yeah. it's things that already happened, and, you know, you can't really argue with what's already happened. Well, some people do, but I, I hear you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> all right. <Unfor> <laughs> they may try. <laughs> they do try. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. 
You've been listening to the Writers' Forum, and I've been fortunate enough to speak with author Eliza Knight about her new book, Starring Adele Astaire. It's a good one, folks. You should pick it up. Eliza, is there a website or other social media site that folks can go to in order to learn more about the book and about your other writings? Sure, yes. I have a website. It's ElizaKnight.com. Super easy. And then I am on Twitter at Eliza Knight. And I am on Instagram and Facebook as Eliza Knight Fiction. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show, Eliza. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. All right. Folks, the music for today's show was provided by Valerie Hunt Jester. The show is produced by Tyler O'Brien. And tune in next Tuesday at 4 p.m. and Wednesday at 5.30 a.m. for the next edition of the Writer's Forum.